Subscribe with iTunes, Audio Boom, Stitcher, or your favorite podcasting app. And if you enjoy what you hear, like us on Facebook. Also, consider throwing a little cash our way by visiting patreon.com slash koreafm. And find more of our great content on our home on the web, koreafm.net. Recently, over 1,000 foreign runners participated in a marathon, which for many of us, including myself, would be a quite a feat on its own. But this marathon also provided a rare glimpse into one of the world's most elusive regimes, as the event took place in the North Korean capital of Pyongyang. Held every year since 1981, the Day Prize International Marathon only began accepting international participants back in 2014, and the very next year, in 2015, Laura M. Camp was one of those who decided to travel to North Korea to participate. I'm joined now by Laura to discuss that trip and what it taught her about the DPRK. So, Laura, great to have you on the program today. And, um, of course, to be honest, we actually know each other from Emerson College, where we went to school in Boston. Hi, Dance. It's good to talk to you again. Yeah, it sounds like it, it is, really. So <laughs> you can imagine we must have had some great times at Emerson College. So um, let's get to this topic at hand. So when did you first think about the possibility of visiting North Korea and participating in the marathon? I'm sure it may not have been something you've been dreaming about since you were a young child. Actually, it is. I've thought about going to North Korea. Um, I've just always been fascinated by it for a really, really long time. Um, and I always wanted to go, um, and living in China, it's actually, I've heard of quite a lot of people who've gone. It's quite easy to find tours from here that go to North Korea. It's usually like a three day, three day trip or something. Um, and I always wanted to go, um, of course it's like, you know, it's all very controlled and what they show you is very specific and, and, you know, you know, that, that it's all kind of a game. Um, but I wanted to see that. Like I thought, I thought that that would be really interesting. And then uh, the the marathon uh, kind of came up because you know similar thing. I just started to hear. Uh, so I went in 2015, like you said. So 2014, I kind of heard about it. It popped up on my radar. I had a friend of a friend who went, and I was in a uh, a group, a runners group on on WeChat, which is a Chinese social media app. You probably have heard of it. Uh, I was in a runner's group for that, and one guy was organizing a group to go. And so he he just threw out an open call and said, hey, guys, if anybody wants to go to North Korea, I'm organizing the group right now. Contact me for details. And that's how it happened. And I was like, absolutely, I have to go. This is my chance. So it all started with a chat message. That's great. Um, yeah. Thank you for bringing that up, actually. I should have mentioned this earlier. So you're German, a German national, but you work in media in Shanghai, and your family has spent a long time in China. Um, so you're very familiar with that country. And then you're not too far away from North Korea, of course. But as you just mentioned, it was something you'd been thinking about before. And then um, someone was organizing a group. So my question is, how, how did you arrange this, arrange this transportation? Um, from what I've been able to tell, there's only kind of official ways that you can go. You can't just book a flight on your own, correct? Right. So they, every flight to North Korea is a charter flight. And they, I mean, they know, they know that for the marathon, for example, um, and I'm sure that they have, I don't really know what the situation is if you just kind of go regularly as a tourist. I'm sure they have, you know, one flight a week or something like that, that flies out of, uh, usually out of Beijing. Um, but for the marathon, because especially in 2015, um, and then I think 2016, 
as well, it, it was even bigger. And so they actually added flights. And so for the marathon, they had certain flights going out of Shanghai and Beijing, going to and from Pyongyang, kind of over the course of a couple of days that, that they specifically added, I believe, for this event. So the organizers have worked it all out. Basically, everything you know that happens in North Korea runs on an official level. And so there are certain tour groups and organizations who have you know the connections and have the abilities to organize these things and work with the government to organize these things um and so then the the group that i was with they were in contact with one of these organizations and they kind of sorted it all out from there what kind of costs were associated with this trip for you um so it was a it was you know it's like an all-inclusive thing um so you pay all the shrimp you can eat all the shrimp you can eat. Yeah, I don't think I have shrimp in North Korea. But um, they, yeah, it was like, um, God, how much did I pay? It was maybe around, I want to say 1,500, uh, 15,000 15, RMB at the time. Maybe it was less. Um, but it's a flat fee, and so it includes flights. It includes um, hotel for three days in North Korea, which is, of course, the there's only one hotel that tourists are allowed to stay at, and it's on an island, so it's you know no no contact with anybody else. Um, but it includes flights, uh, accommodation. It includes all meals. It includes uh, you know marathon fee. It includes you know um, a t-shirt registration. All of this stuff. Um, and again, it's one of those things where you just pay it to the organizer and they just, they then go and and make, make all the magic work. April, of course, is always a big month for North Korea. Um, it has the day of the sun holiday on April 15th to commemorate the birthday of its late founder, Kim Il-sung, but also military foundation day on April 25th, which recently just happened this year to celebrate the establishment of the Korean people's army. So Aside from the marathon aspect, which we can get to, what was it like being in North Korea around that time in April of 2015? Obviously, there were a lot of things going on. Yeah, um, it was fascinating. I actually, you know, I left, I believe, on April 14th, either April 14th or April 15th. I left right before they were having, um, you know, the big celebration, the big national games in the stadium. And actually, the marathon was started and ended in that same stadium. But I mean, when I was there, it was really all about the marathon. There wasn't a whole lot else, you know, that, that they're being focused on. But at the same time, when you're there as a a tourist and a foreigner, you have no idea what else is really going on because, you know, we're there for this one very specific purpose. And at the same time, we're just being shuttled around. We have, you know, it's a three day trip. One of those days is the marathon and the two rest of the days are arrival departure and sightseeing. And so they just shuffle you around. And to tell you the truth, you don't really get a feel for what it's just like there on a daily basis. But the other thing that I noticed um, when we were there, you do get a feel a little bit because of obviously they're showing you all the tourist sites and they're showing you all these memorials. The thing that I really took away and, you know, you just mentioned that there's a big um, April 25th holiday and that's something the one thing that I did really take away from from everything that I saw as you know disconnected as you are from the average life from the daily life from just kind of what's going on in North Korea um one thing I did take away though was that the culture is war 
everything is war. War plays a huge role. Everything is a war memorial. Everything is military related. Everything is about weapons and tanks and, you know, the enemy, which is the USA. The U.S. is literally the enemy. That is not subtle at all. And so it was really fascinating to see how big a part of life war is in North Korea and like imminent war, not just wars of the past, as in current state of war. It's really interesting to hear you say that as obviously um, this is kind of what we're hearing out of the Korean Peninsula news wise right now and everything that Donald Trump is saying and um, you know the possibility of another nuclear test. So um, thank you for that that comment there. That was really poignant. Um, let's get to the the running aspect of this. The, the information that I could find was that basically this this um, this marathon is said to be comprised of perhaps maybe around two thousand runners. And as you mentioned, um, it's all around that stadium. So it begins and it concludes in the Kim Il Sung Stadium in front of also thousands of spectators who are not running but are there for the event. And apparently they watch like a soccer match while the runners are completing their route. So is that correct? What was the the run like for you? Yeah, it is. It is correct. Uh, it's really funny. So there, yeah, maybe about 2000. I think when I was running, it was like a thousand. It was a little bit less than that in 2015. Like I said, it, it kind of got bigger every year after they started doing it. Um, the way that they structured it, uh, there were also there are also North Koreans running it and the North Koreans who are running it are professional athletes. And so the way that they structure it is that the foreigners, the tourists, you know, the marathon tourists, um, they all come into the stadium in the morning. And it's really great, you know, because you're there and you're inside the stadium and you're just like, wow, like this is this is real. I'm actually here inside this crazy place. Yeah, you're like, I wish I would have wore something better than just my normal jogging outfit. <laughs> nah, it's, yeah, you know, I wish I had on like some sparkly pants or something. But uh, it, it's really cool. And then, you know, you so they start it kind of in waves, as in the first wave is all the marathon tourists. And then the second wave is the professional North Koreans. And the non-North Koreans are considered amateur. So even if you're a professional runner, you run in that you run in the category with the non-Koreans, you are technically in the amateur category. Uh, and then the professional category starts later, which is only North Koreans. Um, Running it was really cool, though. It's it's just two loops. Um, the year I did it, and I'm guessing it's probably still the same, it's literally just loops around Pyongyang. And Pyongyang's not very big, and it's got a few bridges going over the, uh, the river. So, you know, you run these loops around, and you run over a couple of bridges. If you run a half marathon, you run two loops. And if you run the full marathon, you run four loops. So it's very easy. Um, but, you know, the thing that was really fascinating about it was, I mean, of course, running through the city is the only time that we were not accompanied by guides, that we were basically just free to, to run, to just go. There were no barriers up. Um, I, I believe this might have changed in, in 2016, but in 2015 when I was running, there were no barriers anywhere. Like when you see marathons in the U.S., you know, the Boston Marathon and the New York Marathon, they've got the railings up to keep the crowds back and to kind of guide the runners on their route. There was none of this uh, in Pyongyang. Were and people so, paying attention to you like at the Boston Marathon, which we have both went to when we went to Emerson College? Or was it no barriers and were you just kind of like running through a city and no one was looking at you? What was that like? Um, it was it was a bit of 
both. Um, yeah, you were kind of just running through a city and there were people just kind of walking along, going about their day. But of course, you know, it's a spectacle when when you have this many foreigners, you know, when you live in a country where you just don't have a lot of contact with the outside world, it's a spectacle when this kind of an event happens. And so, of course, people, you know, people are stopping on the sidewalks. People are hanging out of the windows of their apartment buildings. Everyone is waving and smiling. I mean, it was it was incredible because this was the only chance that we got to have any sort of remote semblance of interaction with somebody who lives in Pyongyang. And it was really, really fascinating because they were so excited to see to see us, to see all these people here, to have this event going on. And, you know, it got to, there were certain parts along the route where people, despite the fact that there were no railings, they were lining up on the side of the sidewalk and just holding out their hands for runners to run by and just like, you know, slap their hands, high five them. That's pretty and cool. And so you're just, yeah. it was amazing. And you're literally running down the road, just, just, you know, hand after hand after hand after hand. And it's, it was this great, like, I mean, it really was this transfer of energy. It was really fun. And I remember at one point that I was running down a stretch of street and it was not, it was not one of the crowded areas. It was quite an empty sidewalk. But there was a man walking down the street, a, a grandfather with his young like granddaughter or something. And he kind of stuck his hand out, you know, just as I was passing, a little bit too late. But I was like, oh, whatever. And I took a couple steps back and I, you know, kind of went to like shake his hand. And he just grabbed my hand and was just happy and was just shaking and smiling and like looking at his granddaughter, like, look, 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 you know, I'm shaking this girl's hand. And, and I was like, you know, I, this is really great. And, but I have to keep running and I'm just, just like trying to pull my hand away from him. You're killing my time. But, yeah. <laughs> like, ah, yeah. You know, but at that point I was like, I don't even care about time. Cause it was just really this kind of mind. Can I say mind fuck? Like it was this sort of like mind bending experience of just like, where am I? You know, what is going on here? It was really, really cool. And, and this is, this is why, you know, I've talked with people about this, um, since I've gone and I've always recommended if you want to go to North Korea, do it during the marathon and run in the marathon, because that's the only way that you can get, I mean, that, you, that experience is very unique. And, and like I said, for me, that was the only chance that we had to have any kind of time by ourselves, any kind of interaction with local people. And the only way that we were able to even see the city, not from a bus, because you're not allowed to go out and take walks there. Like you are always on a bus. And you're living on an so, island. Yeah. And you're living on an island and you're not even allowed to go out of the hotel and walk around the island. Like you're really, you're not allowed to do anything. And that was the only only opportunity we had to just go and just be out in the city in you know, of course, in a, in a restricted form again, but, but a little bit more relaxed than other ways. Before we say goodbye, Laura, let's just uh, check off a few other questions that we haven't gotten to yet. I'm really interested in what, what were some of the other nationalities of the people that you met there who had also traveled to Pyongyang to run? Um, everything. It was everything. Most of the people, I think the, the vast majority of people who came to Pyongyang to run did live in China um, or knew somebody who lived in China or whatever it was, you know, to have heard about this, these uh, groups going, because I, as far as I know, there were not really groups coming from, you know, big international destinations. There were individuals maybe who came from like Europe or something, but to tell you the truth, I actually ran into a bunch of people that I knew from Shanghai and Beijing 
um, and and not not knowing that they were going to be there. Um, and so I think I think you know it attracts all nationalities, but primarily it's expats. So. And then what did your family think about this? As I mentioned, you're a German national, but your family has spent a lot of time in China, so they're at least familiar with the concept of North Korea. Um, what, what, did they try to talk you out of this, or did they support your decision to do this? Um, actually, my dad was not thrilled with it, uh, and I didn't tell them when I registered, and I didn't tell them until you know it was a sure thing. And even then... Um, the year in 2015, it was shortly after there was some kind of an outbreak of, you know, a highly contagious illness that was being spread around the world because people were traveling on airplanes. And it's escaping me right now what it was. But basically, North Korea kind of was back and forth on even allowing foreigners to come in. So I registered and and then in, in between a couple times, it was like, oh, actually, we're not going to get a visa. We're not going to be able to go. Oh, actually, it should be fine. Oh, actually, no, we don't know if we're going to be able to go. So I kind of sat on it for a while and didn't even tell them. And when I did, yeah, my dad was not thrilled. My dad was actually very worried. You know, his argument was, you know, are you crazy? Look at like what, what you know, what are the chances that they might, you know, kidnap you or keep you. You don't know what they're going to do. They're unpredictable, blah, blah, blah. And, and you know, I said to him, look, I, I understand you're worried, but quite frankly, this is an international event. If, if I'm going to North Korea, this is probably the safest time to do it because there are so many other people going too. And so many people know that this event is happening, that if someone doesn't come back, it's going to be pretty big news. Um, and so, you know, when I put it that way, he kind of, he thought about it, and, and then afterwards, he was actually very supportive. He thought it was really cool. He totally flipped. Now, you obviously came back from North Korea, and it sounds like you had a very um, engaging and enjoyable visit, uh, but that's now. So when you were getting ready for this, did you have any hesitations on your end? Did you, did you think that anything might might occur or have any doubts before you got on the plane? No. No, I was so excited, and and I was kind of like, I and I wasn't worried, you know. Like I said, I, of course, it's an unpredictable country, it's an unpredictable government, but, you know, I I was like, I'm not that special. Why 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 would anything? You know, <laughs> I guess that's actually to me? no, because I I've thought about it because every <laughs> once in a while an American gets uh, held, snatched, grabbed, however you want to phrase it in North Korea. Mm -hmm. And then you always try to think, why? What what did they do? And then it turns out this happened or that happened or they had something in their past. And I've I've often thought about if I ever went to North Korea, like, am I special enough for them right. to take me or am I dumb enough to do anything for them to cause me to be taken? So, I, yeah, I mean, if you can't check off any of those marks <laughs> in the bracket, then, yeah, you might be okay. Exactly, exactly. I mean, it's one of those things, too, where you just have to be mindful as well when you're there. I You have to be aware of the place that you are and you have to be aware of, yeah, okay, this is the way that they do things. You know, for example, the, the kid Otto Warmbier, the 21 or yeah, 20 year old he's still there, kid. supposedly I mean, tried to lift a poster from the hotel or something. He, he yeah, I, the, the story that I heard is he tried to take a sign from the hotel. And quite frankly, you know, they make it very, very clear to you when you're there, don't mess with anything. Don't mess with our stuff don't do this, don't do, there's no, it's very strict and restrictive, but they're very open about it. It's not secretive in that sense. And so, 
when he did that, you, you know, personally, I have no sympathy for this kid. He, I mean, he's just a dumb young kid, of course. I was going to say, he's kind of like serving he, hard labor, so maybe a little bit of sympathy. Yeah, I'm, a little bit of sympathy. Of course, you know, the, the punishment does not necessarily fit the crime, but the crime was just like stupid. It was like, come on, kid, take into account where you are. Think about your surroundings. Of course, this is going to be the reaction. Uh, and so I think, you know, especially when you're in a, in, within the context of an event like the marathon, um, unless you really do something stupid, generally, uh, I want to say the risk isn't that high. Yeah, because um, the individual you just brought up was not a marathon runner. I believe he was there on a private tour. So that was a different yeah. situation. Exactly, exactly. And again, yeah, he was on a tour, I believe, you know, another one of the tours that was run out of China. I think he was here for like an exchange program or something. So. Yeah, I, I know actually quite a few people who have gone out of uh, China. I believe you can only go through China to get to North Korea now because they used to have other options in the past that are no longer available. I know people that have gone to, to North Korea three or four times, but they I have never have talked to anyone who's done the marathon, which is why I'm really happy to have you on right now, Laura. Um, let's wrap things up. I know uh, you got to get going to work here in a few minutes, so I appreciate the time. Um, final thoughts. I'm sure you'd recommend this to other people. Um, and then would you ever want to go back? Um, you know, I've thought about that. And uh, I, I would I would want to go back, but maybe not anytime soon. And that's not because of the And not system. now. Not currently now. <laughs> That is a bit because of the political situation, but it's actually a little bit, the reason why I would say, mm, I don't know, is actually more because, like I said, when you go there, it's all very, very structured and it's very rigid and they show you very specific things and you see what you see. And quite frankly, I can go back and I'll, I'll be shown probably the same things. Maybe I'll see one thing that's different. And so I kind of feel like at this point, it's very much a, okay, been there, done that, seen it. And I, I'm still fascinated by North Korea. I still think it's very interesting. And I would love to go back, but I, I, it would have to be, you know, I would have to be doing something different. I wouldn't want to just go back with a tour group and go to Pyongyang again, because like I said, I've seen that. Um, and, and the way that they present it, again, it's, there's just not a lot of variation there. So for now, you know, my, my Korea craving, my North Korea cravings have kind of been a little bit satisfied um, and, and I have to say, I, I actually, I just feel so fortunate to have been able to go, especially, you know, a couple of years ago, looking at the situation now, I'm like, I, I'm very glad that I was able to get a little bit of a glimpse into North Korea, even though what they were telling me was of course all very propagandist and it was all, you know, from a very specific viewpoint. But when you know that and you listen to it, it's also still very interesting to hear it and hear, well, well what are they telling? Like, how are they portraying themselves? How, what can I pick out of this? Excellent. Well, it sounds like your father was completely wrong. I hope that uh, is the message that you portrayed to him <laughs> after your successful trip. I know your father, so that's a jest. I've been speaking with uh, Laura Imkamp. She's the uh, German national who I've been speaking with for this episode, working in media in Shanghai. She spent a lot of time in China, and um, that's... Uh, her story of going to that marathon, that was back in 2015. They, of course, just completed the marathon here in 2017. And all the information is available if you want to go there in April of 2018. All that's easily found. Uh, just look that up on Google, of course. So, Laura, appreciate your time. You head off to work. And, uh, yeah, best of luck with uh, your time living here in the area. I'm, of course, on the Korean Peninsula. You're in China. And what a time to be in Asia.
What a time to be in Asia. That is correct. <laughs> Thank you. It was so good to talk to you again. This episode is brought to you by Podcast Assist, offering voiceovers, audio editing and mastering, transcriptions and show notes, episode summaries, and even hosting a podcast on a topic important to you. Visit Facebook.com slash Podcast Assist for more info on their flat $30 per hour rate. Talk radio, music, and podcasts from the Korean Peninsula. Korea FM dot net.